There's the old saying, you're hired for what you know and you're fired for who you are. And that's because we look at the resume and we say, well, this person's in this job and this is what they should be doing. And if they don't do those things, well, they should be fired. They're not meeting their requirements of the job. And that's a very myopic way to think about, well, this is a complex system. Your company is an organism and the way things work and there's way more than meets the eye. A really great workplace has really great people. Managing those people and getting the best possible version of them, well, that's a little harder. Fortunately, this episode, we have Drew Fortin from Predictive Index. He thinks a lot about how people in the workplace can get the best version of their teams and ultimately create a really inspiring environment for everybody. And no, you don't need everybody in the office every day to do this well. One of the things that I really wanted to make sure we touch on as much as possible is kind of how you think about the impact of today's workplace and the change that we just went through on you see teams growing, talent, all of that. Um, And something tells me that your work at Predictive Index may give you a special perspective on what sorts of things teams need to be thinking about as they're making sure that the people that they have today are well supported, as well as that they're bringing in folks that are ready for the kind of next evolution of the workplace. So what is it that you do all day? Let's start there. I spend a lot of time thinking about the world of work, and that's what we do at PI, right? We, we think about how work is ever-changing and ever-evolving, and we think about the constants in that, and that's people, and that's human nature, and that's the part, and that's, that's work. The magic that that human element brings to differentiating your business, bringing your purpose, bringing your culture to life. And you were talking about teams and the evolution of work. And there's like this great paradox, I think, that we were all forced uh, to question over the last several months or year. And, And that is what comes first, strategy or team? Wow, we had this great plan, but it totally went to shit. And now, do we change our plan? But if we change our plan, how's that going to impact our team? And our team's really going through a lot right now. So, do we find a plan? Are that you talking like do? company level plan yeah. strategy? Or, yeah. Yes. Okay. But a, co- a company level plan or strategy, and then every team has some sort of restrictions on it from a higher level plan, and those limitations all changed. Right. And so it forces us to be like, so what are we doing this for? What am I doing with my life? What are we doing? And and so ultimately, when you discover the human element, I think you're able to realize that there's kind of like this living, breathing organism in your work called your people. And collectively, they throw off this like magic glow or value. We try to help establish that and standardize that a bit into a discipline we call talent optimization. Um, and that's to try to say, take something so ethereal as what we're talking about and compartmentalize it a bit so we can approach it strategically from a design standpoint of your org and then giving some level of measurement so you can actually understand what's happening and the impact that you're having. We're still early days in all of this. Yep. And I think during this whole pandemic, we, we realized like there's so much out of our control. <laughs> So we have the opportunity to manage through it. From what I understand, like a big part of what you're thinking about is 
how do we take this more people-centric mindset to the way that we build teams, grow teams, support teams, and also almost like inspire really great morale? How do you have like a really effective high morale team that like trusts each other and really finds meaning in the work that they're doing and feel connected to their coworkers? And I think that's an interesting, is that how you think about it? Yeah, I think it's very much how I think about it. There are things that our job requirements have listed that are the, you know, that are just like, you must do, do these things. And a lot of us fall into these roles where it's like a work, right? That's very much, I need to do this because it's my job versus I want to, I want to do this because I know the impact that it's having. I want to do it because it makes me excited. I want to do it because it makes my team members happy, right? That the difference between that need to want to curve is, you know, what I think academics refer to as discretionary effort. Okay. Discretionary effort is increased. The more that we increase morale, the more that we increase, in other words, would be engagement. And that can all be defined as purpose. And I would say ownership. When somebody feels ownership, over what they're doing, a little piece of ownership in their company. That doesn't mean like they have to have equity. Sometimes, you know, even just equity itself can give somebody a feeling of ownership, but also just knowing that they are in control and that they are part of this and realizing their part in that, having that ownership may have them make a decision or fight for something differently, right? Yes. It's when we don't feel like we're a part of it, that we feel like we're being told to do, and we we are just being given orders and we're pretty much told to just shut up and stick to our knitting, that doesn't happen. What advice do you typically have for, for people in that leadership position that ha- are facing this challenge and have to make some sort of a change to their organization? Perception is reality. So I don't care what you think it is how you feel it is as, as a leader, right? Oh, they have it wrong. We're not that way. Or I don't know why they feel that way. We're much better than that. Their perception is reality. And so I think the way that you start to bring people on the journey you want to start is simply just by listening. What are you feeling? What are you concerned about? Empathy is super important. You can learn so much by just listening trying to repeat back what you heard and put yourself in that person's shoes so they know you are listening and so that you can also just for a moment try to attempt to feel how they feel and to see it from their point of view. The moment that you lean in and you say, tell me more about that. Why do you feel this way? Is that the way you see it? I had no idea that's the way you saw it. Obviously, it's the wrong move for, I think, and data plays this out in a number of ways, for you to say every Monday, everybody's required to be in the office or, or make other sort of like mandates like that. But there is a certain amount of guidance and structure that, you know, I would think the average employee does expect from their totally. manager or their, their, all of that. So I guess, how do you weigh those two things? 
let's say you were a company that was fully remote and then randomly you get a note that says, we've decided that two Mondays from now, everyone needs to report back to the office. We totally get what you're going through though. So we want you to come in Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and we're going to give you Tuesday, Thursday off, blah, 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 right? It sounds mm-hmm. like there was a lot of thought put into that. Um, and maybe there were some hallway conversations or backroom Zooms and Slack conversations that occurred to try to get some data. Maybe they even did a survey to get like open-ended responses, but it'd be a very different conversation if they said, hey, this is what we're trying to do. Being together in person is a magical experience. A lot of things happen that way. As we're you know moving out of not being in lockdown forever, we'd love to start to introducing those serendipitous moments again. Mm-hmm. And that may look like some sort of hybrid arrangement where people are coming back to the office. Maybe all of us try to get back to the office one day a week or whatever. We're just trying to figure this out. In what I just said, I'm explaining the why, like the requirements of this. And then I'm saying, so what what should we do about it? Because now I think it's something that people could identify with. You're right. there There is probably magic when we get together. So let's start there, right? Now you're taking people on the journey with you. And whether or not you took their idea or not, they had the opportunity to contribute and they had the opportunity to say, cool, I contributed to this idea, right? There's this thing that uh, Jeff Bezos at Amazon is famous for, like the whole disagree and commit thing. Now, I think that can get totally bastardized and distorted in many ways. And I think even in Amazon's culture, it has to some degree, which is kind of like the same thing, like just disagree and do this versus disagree and commit is you should feel comfortable disagreeing and committing because you trust that everyone around you has your best interests and our best interests in mind. And you need to have that level of trust. And I think what, um, on a personal note, just as a, as a people manager, I'm a huge fan of developing trust. Um, if, if anybody's ever read the five dysfunctions of a team by Patrick Lencioni, it all starts with building trust. And I tell my, I tell team members this all the time. The opposite of trust is suspicion. Interesting. If you are suspect of something, you are not going to show all your cards. You are not going to be vulnerable. You are not going to say what you think because you are suspect that the information you give will be used in some way to conspire against you, work against you, terminate you, right? You will not be honest. You're going to do whatever you need to do to stay in the game or to win because it's all about winning, right? That's not good. If you have trust, then you know that there's no suspect and you know that you can be vulnerable and trust leads to the ability to have conflict, to be like, you know what? I don't agree with what you're saying. Cause the reason why I don't agree is I, I see it this way. How come you see it that way? Right now we have this help, what I call healthy conflict. And it's through that act of healthy conflict, that fight, you're able to kind of like leave it all out on the table, put it all out there. And then when a decision's made, it's like, cool. So you all the information was was considered. This is the path that we went on. I'm, I feel much better that you know we just we we vetted everything, but we're going in this direction. You're more likely to get buy-in, and you're more likely to keep everyone engaged because they know that the next time the conflict happens, I might go the other way. And I don't think we've had enough of those conversations, right? Now, definitely. Not. Another thing that has been has transpired or has been transpiring, especially in the U.S. jobs market, is this evolution from production, making trinkets and doodads, to developing software, to offering services. And these are industries 
that rely more on our head and more on hiring. So just to be clear, you're definitely talking about a little wider time horizon than just the past two years. A hundred percent. This is, this is, a, this is ever <laughs> evolving and it's going yes, to be okay. hundreds decades, of years. but okay. we're it. hiring people now more than ever for their, their mind and who they are. Right. And there's the old saying, you're hired for what you know, and you're fired for who you are. And that's because we look at the resume and we say, well, this person's in this job and this is what they should be doing. And if they don't do those things, well, they should be fired. They're not meeting the requirements of the job. And that's a very myopic way to think about, well, this is a complex system. Your company is an organism and the way things work. And there's way more. There's always more than meets the eye. I love the quote that you just shared. The one that I've always liked about firing is um, teams fire people before you do. That's right. When I look at that and I look at some of the team cohesion issues that hybrid raises, you know, gosh, that seems like a real, real issue that we got to get ahead of. Hybrid's the most difficult, right? Because you have people that are in the office. You have people that are alone. (laughs) I think we all need to get way better at respecting and managing our remote counterparts when we're in the office. So I would just vouch for a remote first philosophy, right? And so that is to say, let's make the, let's always focus. If there's going to be in a meeting of five people, one of those people is remote. Let's focus on making the remote experience the best one. And if we can do that, over time, we'll learn these different motions. Like now at PI, I go to the office. If there's just one person on remote, everyone brings their laptop to a meeting because we all have our laptops open and we're all on Zoom. So we're able to talk to each other in person, but also the person in the room is able to see us. We we tried these, you know, we have these cameras that, you know, try to show you the whole room and whatever, yep. but it's not a personalized experience yet. It is a cool camera though. It works great for the microphone in the middle and and you, and you, you have the holistic room, but you can see who's sitting next to who. And what you don't get with a camera like that is you don't get to see the reactions of others. Yeah. When we're in meetings, what are we trying to do? It's either a communication meeting, right? It's a influencing meeting or it's a let's get shit done meeting. And so that's going to be us on a whiteboard working in a Miro in a Figma, right? Having a brainstorm and reacting, interacting with each other, doing breakout groups. So I definitely think technology is a huge part of this. What are really good managers doing in a hybrid environment to build trust with their team? One of the things that I would recommend any team, whether you're hybrid, all remote, or all in person, is to nail down your communication plan and cadence, right? So I'm super diligent about this. Uh, By the way, my behavioral pattern at PI is what we call a maverick. So I'm naturally not like a fully organized, structured person. I'd love to just like drive forward with things and we'll worry about the details later. But over time, I think I've skinned my knees enough to to realize that (laughs) people need to know what to expect. They need to know what's coming. So if you were to say, hey, uh, every year we have a plan. Uh, It's broken up into monthly performance and goals or roadmap items. That can be further broken down into weeks or biweekly sprints, whatever. Every quarter, we're going to meet as a full department to review that plan just to make sure we're on track. We'll even update on how things are evolving and what the theme's going to be. Every month, we're going to review metrics and understand what's happening. 
Also, every month, we're just going to do a quick all hands to update on the metrics and say, like, this is kind of reading the tea leaves, what we should focus on for this next month. And every week, we're going to meet as a team and we're going to have accountability metrics. And we're just going to kick off the week with the cadence of how, how did things go last, go last week? How are things going this, this week? What are things we should be aware of? There are definitely other ceremonies and meetings and cadences that would happen. But if you were to lay it all out there and you were to say, these are the expectations of each meeting, what one of the things that I've realized, which is super easy, is outlining that and then kicking off the meeting you're going to to say, this is the purpose of this meeting, <laughs> right? Hmm. I, I've been really pleased to see across teams at PI and, and my own team, people will be like, hey, this is the meeting we're in and this is the objective of this meeting. Now let's go. Then it comes down to communication in and around said ceremonies. I think now more than ever, one-to-one, like on a Zoom call or whatever, is important just to check in. Hey, how are things going? What can I do better? What can you do better? Um, So having a weekly check-in with your direct reports is an obvious thing. Not a lot of people do it. I've talked to people that are like, oh, I've actually, we meet as a team once a week, but I don't do one-on-ones. And I'm like, hmm, should try to just incorporate that once in a while, right? So these are kind of like the communication bits, bits and pieces. Now, one of the things that I try to stress is there's communication of a plan. And some teams are really good at that, which is, which is to say, Hey, this is the, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to break it out and chunk it out. This is how we're going to measure success. And that's communication of the plan. There's other part of communication that I don't think we get right all the time. And I call that communication about the communication. Interesting. So this is when I think we're going to be making the right decisions. This is when I'm going to communicate to you about that. This is who's going to be involved in each of those communications. And if you're getting anxious about something, don't worry because you're going to be included at this step. So you communicated your plan. You have a communication about the communication. Now you, now you move forward. You can remind people, hey, we are here. This is, this is, what, this is what's going to happen. This is the scope of what we're, what we're trying to do. You don't have to worry about it. Because what we're able to do in the office is have these side side conversations that reduce our anxiety. Hey, I was wondering what's happening with that project. So-and-so said they were going to do that, but I just don't know where it is right now. Right? You can have that quick, okay, cool, so I don't need to do anything. Those are harder to have in the remote setting. We've seen night and day difference, uh, at least among our customers, when when they're trying to solicit employee feedback, but also not... uh, uh, get too rigid too soon and how, how they restructure the workplace to hybrid. The other thing that, that I would say is there's just different technologies that have helped. Like for instance, video We're we're on zoom all the time. But one of the things that we've realized at PI is we used to, in the past, assemble a bunch of people, right? A meeting with 30 people in it is likely not an interactive meeting. You're likely disseminating information. Hmm. So do you have to get all 30 people together at once? Like, could you record a video? Could you publish that video? There are great products. Like there's a product called Loom that you can use to yes. record and allows you to do Love like Loom. emoji symbols throughout and you can comment within. You can see how many people viewed it. You can see who, who, who viewed it, who didn't. Now, I think at first people are like, oh God, this is, this is a production. I got to prep for hours here to make a three minute video. The more that you do it, you realize like, oh, this is super, this is super casual. I'm going to bottle up some information for you. In, in a prior world, I would have typed a two-page email um, and sent it out and peppered everyone with it. But I'm just going to cover it in a video. I put together a couple slides for you. And if everybody could watch this video before the meeting, that would be great. And then the other thing that we do is we put a limit on it. 
you can't publish a video that's more than five minutes. That's very merciful. Very merciful. (laughs) (laughs) And that actually is improving our own skills. What do you view an engaged employee as today? Like what's a, what's a sign that an employee in today's world is engaged? It goes back to that feeling purpose and ownership. There's an identification. I am part of this community and I have people relying on me and I rely on others. There's a big difference between leaving or shutting down for the day and being like, Oh, I'm so glad I'm done with that. (laughs) And leaving and saying, you know what? This is challenging, but I'm having a good time and I like what I'm doing, right? Now, at PI, what we do is we increase the chances and the likelihood of you making a perfect match between person and job, person and manager. And when I say making a perfect match, there are, there are some, some parts of our product that allow you on the onset to be like, is this person right for this role? And how are they going interact, to interact with that manager? But more often than not, we're already in it. So how can we make the best out of the situation? What are your superpowers and caution areas? What are my superpowers and caution areas? How can we make the best work together? And when you have those conversations and you open up that dialogue and, and you say, what's the work to be done and what are the gaps there? Now you, you're, you're able to have a conversation about truly making progress. Let's focus on these things. Let's lean into the things we're good at. We're going to make very slow progress if we focus on the things we're not so good at, right? And what that opens the door to is in a continuous feedback loop. It is not a natural thing that people do well is to give feedback. You need to learn how to give feedback and you need to learn how to ask for feedback, and you need to learn how to receive feedback and take action on feedback. And all of those need a base level of trust. So I'm seeing a theme here. But part of building the trust could be the act of saying, hey, every week, I want you to observe one, every week we have a one-on-one, I want you to observe one thing over the prior week, and I want you to bring to the meeting as something I could be doing better. And I'll do the same thing for you. I think just a little bit over time, And you really start to build that. Now, when I say feedback, it doesn't have to be negative. It can be positive, but let's make sure it's specific. Uh, There's this great leadership coach named Michael Alasso. He's brilliant. He has this concept called TSP. And it's truthful, specific, positive feedback. And it is so hard when you're first learning to give truthful, specific, positive feedback. Not great job on that presentation. Well, that's cool. You really worked hard. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Zach, I really love that presentation. The way that you opened it up, you had everyone locked in from the start and you're just so good at that. Like you're so good at just getting the room to like zoom in on you because you always open with a joke or something. Like that's awesome. I wish I could do that. That's a meaningful point of feedback. It's being deliberate and intentional about that all the time that we don't know how to work in this remote setting. We were training ourselves for decades on that in-person setting and now we're here. There's so much we have to learn. Opening up that feedback loop is exactly what PI helps you to do because you understand someone's behavioral pattern. You understand the differences. You understand how that compares to the work to be done. And now it's like just out there. It's like, how are we going to deal with this? As usual, Drew, Predictive Index, and all of the topics that we discussed today can be found in the show notes. If you want to learn more about what we're doing, go to robinpower.com.